Good day, everyone. My name is Victor Young, and I am your host of The Daily Life Coach. Today's episode is entitled, How the Coronavirus Will Change the World. That's right. How the Coronavirus Will Change the World. Before we get started, I'd just like to thank all of the practitioners, MDs, nurses, around the world who have uh, been on the front lines and making sure we all stay healthy and have made sure you've given us the best possible care throughout this crisis. This coronavirus pandemic has been, uh, it's been, it's been stressful. And today I'm, I'm not going to talk about the medical side. Um, frankly, I'm not qualified to talk about the medical side of this. However, I am highly qualified to talk to you today about the aftermath and the after effects of this virus, this pandemic. This pandemic, it's more than just a virus. It really is. Um, There's a lot of things that's going on right now before our very eyes while we're watching CNN or Fox News or we're watching Instagram and Facebook and we're seeing all the hopeful stories of the individuals who have self-quarantined and successfully defeated this virus. And it's uplifting to see the stories. It's uplifting to see the world come together to fight this horrible, horrible pandemic. You know, something else I want to share. I'm a man of faith. So for me, throughout this entire process, I think I've looked at it a little differently from some others that may not share that faith and positive energy and hope and that I guess you could just call the old-fashioned the glass is half full and not half empty approach to life that I take on a lot of different things. So I've really tried to stay positive throughout all of this and I know I've driven a lot of people crazy with that because sometimes when you're in the middle of something scary you don't want to be happy. You don't want anyone to say anything positive or to uplift you. You just want to deal with it the way that you want to deal with it. So first and foremost, I like to say I get it. And I like to apologize to the individuals who weren't looking for my positive outlook on life because I understand that we all go through things differently. We all have our process of when we think it's the right time to turn the corner and look at life through a rose-colored set of lenses. We're going to move forward and get to the meat of this. This podcast, this specific episode is all about focusing on what happens after the virus is contained, after the world finds its new normal. And I like to put an emphasis on the fact that I am calling it a new normal. Life is going to change as a result of this pandemic. And I know we've had several others. I know we've had A lot of other scares in the past from, my goodness, HIV, AIDS, Ebola, swine flu, the bird flu, SARS. I mean, there's been a lot. We've gone through a lot. So what makes this one different? It's not as deadly. You don't take three steps and die. Don't get me wrong. This is, it's a bad one. I mean, it's bad, but it's not, it's not the death sentence for everyone that walks the earth that we've experienced in the past. So why is this the big one? I'm going to share this with you. Before I go into this, I'd just like to say 
For those of you who don't appreciate a good conspiracy theory, turn this damn podcast off right now because we're about to go deep. And if you are unwilling and unable to go on this journey with me right now, turn it off because we're going in, people. How is the coronavirus going to change the world? What is the post-COVID-19 pandemic world look like? Let's start off by talking about where we started. Stock market, all-time high. Interest rates, great. Consumer confidence, super high. Rolling into an election year, yeah, we expected some hurdles. There's always a hurdle in an election year, right? That's no big deal. Matter of fact, every time there's an election year, there's normally a pandemic or an outbreak of sorts. But who's paying attention to that? This goes beyond an election year. This goes beyond just being a pandemic that pulls us together. Right now, something that's happening, if you're not paying attention, legislators are writing bills right now. They are circling the wagon, and they're trying to find ways to attach legislation to initiate and approve legislation that could change the way we live as Americans, to change the way we communicate our privacy. But that's not even it either. It goes so far beyond legislation. It goes so far beyond an election year. There's a new term that was brought up during this pandemic. It's called social distancing. And it sounds simple enough because we give everything a term, right? Social distancing. Ah, cool. All right, we have to name everything something. Give it an acronym, something catchy, a hashtag. It's what we do, right? Sounds harmless enough, right? Go down this rabbit hole with me for a moment. Fast forward. You show up to work and your vice president, director, whoever it may be, a leader in your organization says to you, people, my people, my people, we are so concerned about your well-being, so concerned that we've decided to improve your working conditions. We're going to make sure in the future you have adequate space away from your coworkers, fellow employees, to allow you to socially and professionally distance yourselves while completing your task. There's a roaring applause. Everyone's clapping their hands for Ted. Ted, you're beautiful. You're a godsend. You're an amazing human being. Ted, oh, Ted. Sounds great, right? You get to go home or work from a different location. And they say, by the way, we're going we're gonna to bring in some more technology that really improves your workflow, how you do things. It's going to limit your human interaction. We're really going to get you guys the help that you need and give you space away from everything. We're going to provide that social distancing. So go on home and we're going to get you guys a VPN and a login and we'll let you guys know how this works, but there's going to be a list and we'll roll everything out for you. And we're also going to bring in this quantum processor with this artificial intelligence. And we're going to, we're going to, you know, we're going to deploy this and this is going to help you guys become better, faster. It's going to take a lot of that backup away from you. It's going to really alleviate the stress of having to work a full day and overtime. But hey, don't worry about it. We're only going to use this to supplement, support you in a way that really makes your life a lot easier. Sounds great, right? Ted gets a second round of applause, roaring round of applause. People are standing to their feet. They grab Ted and they lift him high above their shoulders, onto their shoulders, and they begin to chant, Ted, 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 you're the man. Ted feels amazing. 
Ted feels as important as Fred. Who's his counterpart? Fred's a pretty important guy. We all know this. Ted's feeling special. We fast forward. They implement an AI, a quantum processor, a technology that allows our organization to cut their human headcount by 30%. Why would they do such a thing? Because unfortunately, in the middle of our pandemic, it really shined the light on the gaping hole that unfortunately humans, me, you, although I'm a superhuman, of course, it's not a mortal man, superhuman I am, but I digress. The world got to see holes of relying on mankind, womankind, humans in a professional environment in this world that demands high efficiency and productivity. Now hold that thought for a minute. Computers don't get sick. Computers have no fear of a pandemic. Computers don't call out. They can be sterilized and stay in environments that are not safe for us, even us superhumans. Robots, technology, they can exist in environments that are just unsafe for us. Now I'm going to set this to the left side for a minute. Put it over to the left, right over there. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, right there. All right. Set this aside for a minute. Now I'm going to distract you for a quick second, and we're going to come back to this. Now we have all these companies that were struggling prior to this pandemic, prior to the closures, the voluntary quarantines, the stay-at-home orders. These companies were already fledgling, flapping. They were gasping for air. They were going down like the Titanic. And here comes the pandemic the great pandemic. And again, I'm not, I'm not taking it lightly. What this disease is, what this virus is, it's serious. You're the CEO of a company. You founded it. You brought in investors. You took it as far as you could possibly take it. And for a countless amount of reasons, your company is failing. You cannot turn it around no matter what you do. You've been disrupted by technology. You've been disrupted by another concept, an application, you've been disrupted. Maybe you just had a traditional conventional business that has run its course, whatever it may be. Maybe there was a legislation change that drove this difference, this, this thing to occur. It was inevitable. It just, you can't stop the spiral down. You've raised capital countless rounds. You've hired the best of the best data scientists. You've, you've marketed, you've hired great operators and, and engineers or whatever it is. You've done everything right. But the market has run its course. It's going down. And you don't know how to get off the ship. This pandemic is going to be the catalyst for a lot of these presidents, founders, CEOs, investment groups to right their wrongs, to right that ship now, when I say right their wrongs, I don't necessarily mean that they're miraculously going to turn the corner. I just mean this is the point where you get off the ride. The ride has stopped. And if you get off now and you stovepipe your business, you bankrupt it. You get to wash your hands and say, we did everything right, which you probably did. I'm not saying you're doing anything wrong. But you get to say, no one saw this coronavirus coming. It's time to end this. Think about it. If you've started a company, you've spent all the money, and 
that company is going to fail. When do you stop? When do you throw the towel in? If you're a founder, a CEO, uh, any type of executive officer that's a part of this, you need the right time. You just can't jump off the ride and take the beating. Your reputation will be drugged down the street. Your name will be mud. You may never reinvent yourself. But when you've got such a catalyst, such a destructive pandemic that's ravaged the economy for several months, and that, that several months has exhausted the last drop of operating capital you've had to buy supplies, to pay your vendors, to pay your employees, cover your fixed expenses, marketing, you're done. You've got to tap out. This is one of the most noble ways a CEO, a CEO, a HEO, a COO, a founder, a hedge fund manager, whoever you may be, this is the time those individuals will exit these companies, decommission and shut them down, and they will be allowed to leave with their dignity. Because who would ever go back and comb through the remains of an organization that failed at such a tough time? What kind of savage animal, type of beast, would possibly have the audacity to challenge this individual who has fallen on their sword during this horrible time? We are going to experience the largest transfer of wealth in the history of the planet in the wake of the coronavirus. Let me say this again. We are going to experience the largest transfer of wealth this planet has ever seen, ever. We're going to see companies that are hundreds of years old fail, decades old fail. We're going to see disruptive companies with new technology, innovations, applications that rise. We're going to see the onboarding and deployment of technologies that have been on the shelf waiting to be launched. There's factory lines that have been shut down that if they had little to no humans, there would be no reason to shut these lines down. But you can't just walk in the door and consider yourself a friend of the nation and fire all your people. But this, this virus is a catalyst to usher in the new age of technology and automation. This is it. For all you individuals that said, hey, a robot's not going to replace me. I'm not afraid of some freaking computer, quantum processor, artificial intelligence. This artificial is not real, synthetic. I'm not afraid. You may want to pay attention. This virus, COVID-19, the coronavirus, it's the catalyst. It's the fuse to light, ignite this new era of automation. There will be jobs lost that will never come back. Don't get me wrong. I mean, we're still going to see and have the need for a lot of service-based jobs in hospitality, in restaurants. Ooh, unless, unless McDonald's gets involved. How many of you knew McDonald's had a technology division? What do they call themselves? I don't know. Let's pull it up and see what they call ourselves here. McDonald's Technology. Huh. 
Well, let's take a look at this. McDonald's new technology is about to change the restaurant industry. Hmm. McDonald's dynamic yield technology is going to change its drive through business, automate its kitchens. The fast food chain hopes that AI technology will make the ordering process more efficient. McDonald's is implementing the technology, which will help the startup of Apprente, which it acquired this week. That's a quote from the BBC News. Uh, this, is any, this is not anything recent. This was in the BBC in what, September 11th, 2019. So McDonald's acquired a technology company that is going to develop AI technology for their restaurants as well as other automation for their kitchens, for their dining rooms, for ordering, kiosk to kitchen, drive through to kitchen using AI, using technology interfaces, to the point where McDonald's might run off of one or two employees. Now, McDonald's is developing this software, this AI, and this manufacturing, but not sure if you guys know, McDonald's was actually the leader in developing the speedy process years ago that kicked off the fast food era. So once again, McDonald's is back, ready to change the world, the way we eat, with flawless, consistent quality in the kitchen, with your ordering process, and with your ability to interface with the kitchen directly from the dining room. Hmm. Do I have your attention yet? What if there was a restaurant that you could enter with no human beings inside? And the kitchen area. And this restaurant could completely deliver you a dining experience without the fear of a virus, the human touch, a sneeze, a cough, an improper touch of sorts to your meat. What if this existed right now? How, how would that change things? And you can bet your bottom dollar that McDonald's is not developing this technology to keep for themselves for the investment that McDonald's is making in artificial intelligence and quantum processing systems, automated kitchens, they're going to sell this technology. It's like BMW. BMW creates a new technology or a new generation, and they'll sell the old generation to another car maker who doesn't have the R&D or the engineers to develop that technology. So you'll have this guy saying, I have BMW technology. You do, but it's generation one. And BMW is actually offering generation three, which is 300 times more advanced than the last one. But yeah, you do. Technically, you could say that. This is the norm. Companies create partnerships. They, they develop technologies. And they license it and they sell it. So McDonald's, if I had to bet my last dollar, I would say they're going to offer this technology and software to other restaurants. What does that do to the restaurant industry? How many young people do you know who started their careers in a fast food restaurant? Where are young people going to work in the future when they're in high school? Hmm? Fast food restaurants, we might be taking them off the list in the next three to five years. Grocery stores delivering. That's old news, right? Uber, with their self-driving cars, they're going to disrupt themselves with Autonomous driving vehicles, that's going to happen. Old news. RFID checkout for stores, all app based. You walk in a store, you put things in your cart. As you put them in your cart, 
It rings to your app. You walk out the door. You never talk to a clerk or a bag boy. You're all set. That's already here. Artificial intelligence that can handle more phone calls than any customer service agent could ever handle. It's already here. Spatial computers. 5G connected grids that transfer data faster than any human can dream of it. What I'm trying to say is this. In the next five to seven years, we're going to see the aftermath of automation. We're going to see the aftermath of the coronavirus. A massive transfer of wealth and the rise of automation come online. There needed to be a catalyst. There needed to be an ignition switch. A reason why we willingly accepted the rise of this machine. And COVID-19 was that catalyst. COVID-19 was that fuse, that igniter. Think about this one. We have this vortex, this hole that's opened up that's going to allow us to dump everything bad into it on the business side. The trading floor, no more traders. How can you one day say, no more traders on the floor and on the stock exchange? That means the technology has been in existence, tried, tested, and approved long before COVID-19. This was the trigger. This was the detonator. Self-check-in at hotels. Hotels are firing clerks, not laying them off, terminating their positions. There's a technology that allows an individual to self-check-in from their application, unlock their door, access their room, and any other service they need remotely. The need for multiple individuals to manage, to count, to quantify, to sell, to service on a non-technical aspect, those job roles will be gobbled up in the next seven to 10 years. And the catalyst, the spark that ignited and frankly became the gateway to this age of automation was COVID-19. Unions are being rendered powerless by the wake of devastation, the fear, the deaths, the broken economy, the unpreparedness that we've gotten to see as, as a result of bare shelves, not enough beds and hospitals, are our science and medical community trying to respond as quickly as they can. And, and this is not a slap in the face for all the physicians and clinicians, nurses, all the individuals that are out there. This is not a slap in the face, but some of the best and brightest scientists in the planet have been unable to connect at a human level fast enough to fight pandemics or diseases that bring great harm to us. The launch of automation and AI that's on a unified server, and I can process outcomes faster than I can look into a microscope and find my own solution. The pre- and post-clinical trials that will be executed as a result of AI working together with global data will far outpace our scientists of today. 
our scientists must learn to become superhumans and utilize the technology that we have in front of us in the way that's never been done before to stay relevant. The biggest transfer of wealth in the history of the world is occurring right now. There's new emerging businesses, industries that are being born today as a result of what happened yesterday. Every time there's a big gaping hole in our economy, in our health care, in our preparedness, Wall Street, whatever it may be, there's a technology and a solution that's been sitting on a shelf. It's been sitting on a shelf waiting for the right moment to deploy, waiting for that catalyst, that trigger, that moment where it's no longer the enemy, where it becomes the savior, where it becomes the ally. That time is coming. That time is here. So are they going to make her a robot to do landscaping and plumbing and electrical and wiring in a house? I don't think we'll see that. Are we going to see that robot who lays tile and paints and puts a roof on a house? I don't think we're going to see that anytime soon. That's not what I'm saying. Individuals in the service sector where there's physical labor involved, you're probably the safest individuals on the planet. Transportation industry, you're in the crosshairs. Autonomous driving trucks and trains are here. Uber drivers, limo drivers, you're in the crosshairs. Customer service agents, you're in the crosshairs. Surgeons, you are in the crosshairs. Anyone who is in a technical space, coders, there's this little thing called machine learning. You're in the crosshairs. Conventional, traditional salespeople, if you are not extraordinary, you are in the crosshairs. All these guys who are trying to sell you that closing course and the book of word tracks, the you told me's, if you could, widges and all the other stuff that they're selling you. It doesn't matter how many word tracks you have. If your skills, your ability to communicate and have relationships with individuals and stay connected, tethered to them at all times, it's not exemplary. You are in the crosshairs. Mr. Mediocre Salesperson, stop flattering yourself and saying how amazing you are because you shook someone's hand and put them on ice for four days while they're waiting for you to follow up. You are in the crosshairs. The top data scientists in the world are mapping human behaviors, watching their habits, and serving them up various ads, discounts, engagement content that will walk that individual, that buyer, down the rosy path to the close while you're dusting off your little book of word tracks thinking that you're killing it. Those cheesy ass word tracks cannot defend itself against automation. And don't get me wrong, I get it. You're thinking a data scientist can't sell a car better than me. A data science can't walk a customer through that house better than I can. A data scientist can't sell that insurance program like I can. But let me tell you a little something. Big data is dating big entertainment right now. And when that wedding goes through, 
And these content creators put the ring on the finger of these data scientists and they bring in their side chick, the PhDs. No, I'm just kidding, PhDs. You're not a side chick. And they bring in these PhDs that are mapping human behaviors, the content creators who create content to engage those behaviors, and the data scientists who can lead individuals to that data and to that content and to that next emotion. Mr. Cheesy Salesperson, your days are numbered. It's time for you to grow up and be a big girl or a big boy and really learn your industry and get way ahead of it. If you try to ride next to it, you won't be able to keep up with it because it will gradually accelerate on a consistent basis until you give up. If your intake for knowledge is 1% of that data scientist and that PhD and that content creator who will be serving up opportunities and options for a consumer to do easy business with them while you're underservicing a client and not making it easy for them to do business with you, you will lose. The largest transfer of wealth is occurring right now. When the market drops, that money goes somewhere. It doesn't just go in the la-la land. When that pendulum swings, that wealth goes somewhere. Someone gets it. If I lose a $100 bill at Disney and it blows down the street and there's 10,000 people there, probably not today, it's closed down. But you know what I'm saying, people. Short of them taking that $100 bill to lost and found and hoping that the right person goes and claims it, what's your serial number on, on that $100 bill, Mr. Victor? Um, the last four digits, I, I play liar's poker. Um, and so I, I, I remember the serial numbers on all of the bills in my in my billfold. And um, so uh, the last four digits are uh, uh, 1240. You're right. This is your $100 bill. It was turned in by a very nice individual who didn't feel like they overpaid at Disney. They brought it to us. Here's your $100 bill back. Not happening. Chances of it happening are slim and none. When that $100 bill blew past me, there was a guy leaning up on a snow cone machine and stood on that $100 bill for 10 minutes and then scooted it and slid it slowly away from the snow cone machine, looking left and right, kind of shady looking, right? Look left, look right. Looking shady. Then he stretched. Bent over, tied his shoe. Look left, look tied the other shoe. Kind of leaned his foot over and picked up that $100 bill and he stuck it in his pocket. And he walked away. Done. The largest transfer of wealth in the history of this world is occurring right before our very eyes. The middle class is shrinking, which means there's going to be more below middle class families that exist. We're going to see some uber rich people, uber wealthy individuals who were just paying attention. That's it. They weren't any smarter than the poor guy. They weren't much smarter than the middle class guy. They were just paying attention. They were just aware of that transfer of wealth and they made moves in the right time at the right moment. You're going to see individuals who acquire stock on the rebound. They're going to make tens of millions of dollars on thousands of dollars on stock that is tanked. The comeback's going to be huge. Will they be long-term picks? Eh, maybe not. But on the resurgence, when that bull charges back, it's going to make a lot of millionaires. And what they do next will determine their place in greatness as far as a wealth builder goes. The biggest transfer of wealth is occurring right now. Where do you stand in all this? What are you going to do about it? Are you going to sit back and watch your industry blow away 
Are you going to lose your job, your livelihood to technology because you're not paying attention? Because you're willing to underserve your client. Because you're trying to slow down evolution. Because your boss is, in your opinion, is just trying to fire you. Because he's trying to get you to learn new things. You know this guy? This company just wants it all. They don't know when to quit asking. Well, check this out, Dilbert. 90% of the time, that boss is trying to get more out of you because he's trying to save your profession and your career. And, and I tell you, this is a tough thing. This is a tough call because when you're that boss or that leader and you're trying to save someone's livelihood because you know their family and you're trying to push them over the hump past the finish line so they can live to make another dollar another day and they're fighting you every step of the way and you know that you're one bad quarterly earnings report away from being acquired by a competitive company or frankly going bankrupt and someone's punching you in the face and trying to kick you betwixt your tender spots every time they get a chance because they just don't understand you're trying to keep them relevant. You're trying to keep them alive. You're trying to keep them. You're trying to keep food on their table. You're trying to keep a roof over their family's head. And they're not watching this transfer of wealth. They're not watching this rise of automation that's going to take tons of jobs in so many sectors. Engineering, healthcare, service, technology, transportation, insurance, wealth management, retirement. I mean, the list goes on and on. And they're swinging at you. What do you do? The answer is this. You do what you got to do, unfortunately. The last thing you want to do is bankrupt your company because individuals can't see what's coming. You got to keep educating them every single day. They're not going to want to hear it. But you leaders out there, you bosses, you managers, CEOs, COOs, you got to push back a little bit. You got to get them to see the big picture. And I think we try to protect people against the future. We try to protect them against anything that might make them feel sad at the end of the day. But this is our time to educate individuals about what's to come, about the after effects, the aftermath of COVID-19, the coronavirus, the pandemic. You know, an engine in a car. Let me tell you how an engine works for, for the non-technical people. There's three things that makes an engine go. Air, fuel, and spark. Air, fuel, and spark. That's it. You turn on your car. You're adding spark. You're adding electrical to it. You're adding a spark. There's fuel that goes into a chamber, and that chamber detonates. It explodes. And then the cylinder next to it does it. And all these opposing cylinders, they run in this, this controlled explosion sequence, a sequence of explosions that are controlled, actuated, started with a spark from that key hitting a switch and that transfers it to the proper place to start this controlled explosion. It's that simple. And the bigger the explosion, the more horsepower, the more torque you make. So the bigger the cylinder or your ability to put a larger, more dense, compressed explosion in that cylinder will create more horsepower, more torque, more speed, more RPMs, more rapidly. It's simple. Well, this catalyst that we're talking about, COVID-19 is the spark. The technology that's been sitting on the shelves that's being developed and will continue to be developed 
including 5G, was the fuel in the air, in the chamber, sitting there waiting for the spark. Companies are in a position, and they now understand, as of today, they must evolve, or we will never make it past the next pandemic. And unfortunately, we will see another pandemic. We will see another pandemic. We will. We go places, and we eat things. We unearth new places. We're exposing ourselves to completely different things. And it will continue to expose us to other viruses and parasites and pandemics, viruses, bacteria. It will continue. And we weren't ready. And that, my friends, is the big spark, the big catalyst. Now let's wrap this puppy up. I think you got my point. I could go on and on with the different technologies and industries that are going to be disrupted and evolve as a result of what we've just experienced. And we're going to have to welcome it. We have to. We weren't ready. And that's going to cost us big time. It's going to cost us. Our lack of readiness was the catalyst to the new age of the new age of automation, the rise of the machine. I would suggest this. This is just a suggestion because my podcast, my attorneys advised me that it should only be for entertainment purposes. So I hopefully you're, you're entertained. Victor Young, his affiliates, the Daily Life Coach, are not responsible for the opinions, views, and discussions that occur in this podcast, past podcast, or any future podcast. But this is what I'm thinking after my legal disclaimer. It's time to get woke, people. Hashtag woke. Start paying attention to where money is migrating, the technology is migrating, where are the jobs going, what are the top four artificial intelligence and robotic companies on the planet right now? Do you know their names? Do you know their names? And if you don't know their names, why don't you? We should all know who they are. We should all know who is going to take our jobs. We should know these things. And frankly, we're going to have to consider positions that we've never considered in the past. I won't say never. Positions that we thought we graduated from. Good old-fashioned, humble, noble, craftsmen, servicemen, and women. That needs to be a part of our future. And I'm not saying think low and you're not going to be what your mommy and daddy told you you could be. That's not what I'm saying. There's a lot of damn good people out there, including myself, that have worked in service-based industries that fix things, correct things, paint things, cook things. Frankly, one day I look forward to being back there so I can use my hands and my creativity as well as my mind. When I retire, I'm going to go back there to my roots, as they say. That's roots for you people who don't understand that. We're going to have to wake up. We're going to have to change our thinking. And it's here. I want you to mark this podcast, share it with someone, because by 2030, you're going to say, damn, the Daily Life Coach hit the nail on the head. The world has changed right after COVID-19. It all began. And we can't get it back. We can't undo this. We just can't. We're going to do some future podcasts on what's next, what happens after we become aware, what happens after we start to see where jobs are migrating to 
what industries are going to disrupt the disruptors, what happens when traditional industries come to a halt, what happens when the machine rises and decides not to give back those jobs to humans because the machine does it faster, better, longer. We're going to have to find out where we fit into all this. And you're going to have to pay attention and get really good at something. You're going to have to know something about something. And that something might be something that you don't even know yet. That something might be something you don't even know you need to know yet or doesn't even exist today. Maybe it comes online tomorrow or later on in 2020 in the third quarter. You're going to have to look at your company differently. When that supervisor asks you to do a new role, you might have to say, yes, ma'am, I will. How would you like me to do it, Miss Sheila? I will do it for you. Suck up your pride and learn something new. Because that artificial intelligence is like this amazing, brilliant baby that's learning something new every second. While the average human is resisting knowledge, fighting change, and losing ground every day. The largest transfer of wealth in the history of this planet is underway. And it's not just about the stock market. Pay attention. Make a decision and either participate or willingly accept the change. One of my favorite quotes, and uh, was it Stephen Covey? I got to look that up. If it's not Stephen Covey, I just gave gave you someone else's uh, juice here. But the quote is, uh, act or be acted upon. That's not Stephen Covey. That's too strong for Stephen. That's some of that art of war talk right there. Act or be acted upon. Make a decision. And most importantly, remember, live fearless, my friends. I'll catch you next episode. There will be more on the aftermath of the coronavirus, a.k.a. COVID-19. God bless. 